Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Thursday afternoon. It's the 11th of January. Thanks for being with us on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Glad to be with you this afternoon in the Pearl River Resort studio. You want to be a part of the conversation? You can join us on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. It's backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in C Spire country. Um, we're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Check them out. Learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. Um, a huge basketball night last night in the state of Mississippi. It was an incredible one. I mean, truly incredible night of basketball for so many reasons and all of them awesome. They were incredible. Started with Mississippi State getting a win over number 5 Tennessee in Starkville at Humphrey Coliseum. An incredible game. Mississippi State had a big lead. Tennessee fought all the way back. They tied the game. Hey, Dad, did they ever actually take the lead? They never had the lead, no. So it was tied at 63, I think, and then Mississippi State was able to go back ahead, nip-tuck down the stretch, and the Bulldogs were able to get the win. Hit a really big shot late, got a turnover on a potential possession for Tennessee to tie it at the end, and um, Mississippi State came out on on top. We will break that game down a little bit more as we go through the show this afternoon. Ole Miss set a pavilion record in points scored last night. They hung 103 on the Florida Gators in uh, en route to their first SEC win, first SEC win for Chris Beard as the head coach at Ole Miss, even their conference record at 1-1, one and one, and will host the Vanderbilt Commodores on Saturday afternoon. And we- the banana got out of jail. Oh, did he? He did. They freed him shortly thereafter. And uh, he'll be back in the hump this weekend and rocking the banana. Lesson learned? With a rap sheet. The guy in the banana costume. I don't know if lessons learned or not. You know, let State beat Kentucky in a few weeks here in in Starkville. He might be right back out there. 
I mean, if the entire student section is not wearing banana suits, then what are we even doing here? Is there availability of a couple of thousand banana suits that uh, people could very quickly purchase? People still have them laying around from the uh, 2018 College World Series, so it shouldn't be an issue. Can can you get two-day shipping uh, from Amazon? I mean, just... Get, you are looking at a prime customer right here. All right, I can make that happen. Get him in. I mean, uh, how funny was that, though? That poor kid was about to have one of those moments that we all had in college at some point. Everybody remembers one of those epic nights in college. And your team beating a top-five team and storming the court is one of those epic moments. And he thought he was going to get it, but he took the court .1 seconds too early and got thrown in the back of the cop car instead. And and all by himself, no less. He didn't have, uh, yeah. I, I think, the support of the team that he thought he was going to have in uh, heading onto the floor. Save Mississippi nah, State some money. No, no. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't I don't think they find you if just one guy storms. It's not really a storm at that point. It's just like a trickle. Yes, and you just discipline well, that well, one guy by drizzle. putting him in cuffs. Um, in we cuffs. have a busy overkill. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, I would love to know what the initial charge would have been. Like, I mean, you know, he shouldn't have done it. I know you're not supposed to go on the court. You get fined, whatever. But don't you just kind of grab him and say, hey, idiot, don't do it again. Yes. Go I, home. That's what I thought was going to happen. Put him in cuffs. Put him in the back of the car. Come on. Like he's going to take a swing at a cop or something. Just, just, just come on. Well, but, I mean, when you apprehend somebody, you never know what exactly you're dealing with, and so you take the proper I think sometimes you know what you're dealing with. I could sometimes probably I guess you know. that the college kid in the banana suit was just being a college kid in a banana suit. I don't know. Is that a gun in your banana, or are you just happy to see me? What's going on there? All guests on Sports Talk Mississippi appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. We were scheduled to visit with Chris Stewart, who is the... Uh, part-time play-by-play announcer and is involved, well, for, for football. He did the uh, the road games on the radio this year for Alabama and also is the play-by-play voice of the uh, Crimson Tide basketball team. Um, Chris was going to do his best to join us at the beginning of the show. Not sure if that's going to work out. Uh, hopefully, we're going to visit with John Talty coming up later in the uh, this first hour of the show. Uh, tried to do that yesterday, but uh, he had some assignments that he had to take care of. And he was Cole a little Kublik, busy. Yeah, just a little. A few things going on. Cole Kublik, uh is scheduled to join us in the 4 o'clock hour this afternoon as well. And we're going to get to all the basketball stuff in, in great detail, but the biggest story uh, continues to be the retirement of Nick Saban. That happened at just after 4 o'clock yesterday. That's when the uh, it, it happened on Twitter with the, um, the tweet from Chris Lowe that was uh, shared and liked many, 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 many times in a very short amount of time. I don't know how much we, uh... interaction you guys have had with other people throughout the day. Um, because there, they, some might argue, hey, guys, come on, we're in Mississippi, probably need to probably need to talk about Mississippi stuff. But the fact of the matter is everybody is talking about one thing. And that's Nick Saban in Alabama football. They didn't even do a halftime show of the basketball games last night. They just talked about Nick Saban <laughs> for 15 minutes. I thought we had a good reaction. You know, I, I've watched the video of us of reacting to that. I thought, oh, that's that's it's it's good, it's funny. And then I saw our friend Matt Moscona's reaction, and his is better. 
Yeah, I guess maybe I was more subdued. Uh, Borky was was uh, awestruck a bit when it uh, when it was first announced. Matt was actually I was doing dumbfounded. An That's the word yeah. I want to use. I was dumbfounded. Matt was doing an interview with Russ Mitchell on video, and Russ is talking about whatever he was talking about, and then Matt's eyes get big and his head kind of turns sideways, and then he's like, "Stop, Russ! Stop! Stop! Yeah. Stop!" And and Russ kind of stops dead in his tracks, and he he just sits there quietly for a moment and then he goes Chris Lowe is reporting that Nick Saban is retiring and then he like went into a full on happy dance so it was yeah. uh, he spiked it was, a football it, it was something he had a football and he spiked it Re- reactions all over the place today from, uh, from Nick Saban uh, Reese Davis did an interview with him and we would like to get to those quotes. Here, let me just read it to you right now. This was Nick Saban with Reese Davis. It was a hard decision. I love coaching. I love the relationships with players. The thing that made it more difficult for me is I felt it might be the right time for me. But how it impacted the players, the coaches, all the people who worked there in the building and contributed to the success of the team, how it would affect them, that was the hard part. That was the part I kept vacillating on back and forth. And then it gets really interesting. I was on the phone. We had a meeting at 4 p.m. It was 3.55. I was sitting in my chair looking at the clock saying, you've got five minutes to decide which speech you're going to give. I was actually talking to Miss Terry right up until that time. It was a difficult decision because it impacts and influences the lives of so many people. Quick programming update. Chris will join us at 4.20 uh, today. Good. We uh, we will look forward to uh, visiting with Chris uh, about an hour oh, from right now. Get a half hour off, Borky. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Go play some FIFA or something. <laughs> take a little. I'm sorry, take a little. I need to put I need to put a PlayStation in here for when we have back to back interviews, and I got thirty minutes to myself. Yes. But, but but this quote from this interview with <laughs> Reese Davis that Nick Saban was still waffling, ultimately with his decision, am I going to retire or am I going to continue five minutes before he was scheduled to meet with his team? And ultimately he announced to his team in that 4 o'clock meeting that he was retiring, that he was stepping down. And you you can be cynical about that quote, no question. But there have been multiple reports that we have seen since yesterday that Nick Saban was interviewing defensive coordinator candidates yesterday and did as many as three interviews with prospective assistant coaches yesterday on the day that he announced his retirement to his team. I don't even know exactly what to make of that other than he was waffling and... He knew deep down that if he was waffling, then it was time. That's very Nick Saban, though, right? Until you make a decision, you're maximum effort. Uh, you, you do not take one step back until you have taken your step back, right? So he's interviewing candidates because as of that moment, I'm not done yet. So I'm business as usual. Too many people don't know when it's time. It's very on-brand Nick Saban for, for him to know exactly when it's time and, and to not drag things out like you've seen other coaches in other sports. And you've heard people ask 
old, older coaches and whatever or, or other professions, well, hey, when, when will you retire? And a lot of times you get the answer, I'll know when it's time. Well, apparently he, between 3.55 and 4 o'clock, he knew when it was time yesterday. I listen to it at work. At work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Davis had to fly commercial from Hartford to uh, Birmingham to get to Tuscaloosa to do a sit-down interview today with Nick Saban, or you think they uh, they pulled the PJ out and got him there quickly? Or the Canadian military plane, like people were tracking from Eugene to Tuscaloosa yesterday. Well, I mean, the the level of secrecy that goes into these coaching searches is uh, sometimes hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. I want to just pause in our whatever discussion we're in the middle of because there are a bunch of discussions that are going to we're going to like work in and out of today. And I want to explain something or try to explain something. Because David sent us a message just a second ago, fishy line question mark. And my response to him on Twitter was clearly it was. I I feel like and and I don't mean this this is not derogatory at all when I say this. I feel like people don't understand exactly what we mean when we identify a fishy line. When when we see one of those, it doesn't mean that we're saying one team can't win or won't win. It's based on what we have seen from two teams that are facing off against each other, the line on the surface doesn't make sense. And yesterday's point spread, the line, in the Mississippi State-Tennessee game didn't make sense, right? Because of what Mississippi State had done in its previous game, what Tennessee had done in its previous game, what these teams had been throughout the course of the season. And we looked at that and we're like, this thing opened at a point and a half this morning and it's gone to two and a half. That's still a, that, that, that's one made basket that Tennessee is favored on the road tonight against Mississippi State. And for that reason, we identified it as a fishy line. It's like, this doesn't make sense on the surface. And if you are a smart sports investor, a lot of times you take those fishy lines and you go, well, they didn't build these big buildings with losses. And you go, all right. That doesn't make any sense. I'm getting on the other side. And so taking Mississippi State plus the points of two and a half or so in that game, even though it was a small number, might would have made more sense, going against the public or however you want to describe it. Or maybe you thought, you know what, Vegas is just wrong on this one. I'll take my chances. And when Tennessee buried that three on their opening possession after a bad first possession of the game for Mississippi State, you might have been like, yep, glad I went that way. And then you watch the game and you saw Tennessee down 13 at the half. Then you saw them slowly climbing back into it. Now they're down 10. Now they're down 7. Now it's tied. And then ultimately Mississippi State wins the game by 5. But that's kind of the definition of 
a fishy line. And I'm not saying, David, that you didn't understand what a fishy line is, but I feel like people don't necessarily grasp exactly what we're talking about when we're like, hey, fishy line, this one doesn't smell right. That's exactly what we're talking about. Tennessee was a top-five team playing an unranked Mississippi State team. They just on the surface you would think would be favored by more. And yeah. by the way, our, our little, uh, hey, it's hard to win on the road in basketball, that came true last night. My goodness, these last couple of days have just been murderer's row for, if you're ranked, buddy, you're losing. I'm sorry, it's just you're going to lose. All right, so on, on Tuesday four, night, four of one, the top five. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, number one, Purdue lost on the road on Tuesday night. Number two, Houston lost on the road on Tuesday night. Last night, you had number three, Kansas, go to Orlando and lose to UCF. I mean, good grief. That's the one yesterday. They're like, yeah, I don't really see that one happening. And then, boom, it happens. Well, yeah, it happens, yeah. And then number five, Tennessee, loses on the road. It's hard to win on the road in college basketball. So I mean, in UConn, I don't know where they're, if they were playing Xavier at home or not, but, I mean, that game was close. Number four team in the country. Yeah. Almost. I mean, I can't imagine if all the top five had lost. If, if the whole top five loses, has anybody changed their rankings? I mean, just, just leave them there, I guess. I guess so. I guess it just stays exactly the same. Um, so we were running out of time when, when we kind of talked about the, the quote that has made its rounds from the interview that Nick Saban did with Reese Davis earlier today, where Nick Saban says he was still trying to decide five minutes before a team meeting yesterday. Uh, you, you've seen and maybe not seen quotes, but kind of heard maybe if you're talking to people that Greg Byrne was even a little surprised. He wasn't shocked. I don't think the people that are close to the Alabama program were shocked because they're smart enough to realize that this isn't going to last forever, and yet there was some surprise and very, very little advance notice. I mean, it's hard for me to believe that if at 3.55 Nick Saban was still on the phone with Miss Terry and there was a meeting at 4 that he – had a long conversation with his athletics director, Greg Byrne, and a long conversation with his agent, Jimmy Sexton, and got all of that information out before a 4 o'clock meeting started. I'm guessing that those people knew that he was contemplating or considering. Yeah. I mean, that's just not how he operates. There's no way he blindsided his boss with that. Maybe wasn't committal, nah. but there's no way that Greg Byrne did not have an idea that this might be it for him and I need to be prepared for life after him. And reportedly, Nick Saban, I mean, you, you had the people that were staked out. They saw him arrive for work this morning with with someone there to open his door and carry his briefcase into the building. In fairness, he actually carried his briefcase out of the building because we got that on video as well as he climbed back into his Mercedes 600 and headed off to wherever he was uh, was headed. But reportedly, he spent part of the day-to-day calling recruits who are committed to Alabama. And my guess is that message is just like, hey, I wanted you to hear directly from me. Don't make a rash decision. There's a plan in place. You'll see shortly what's happening. Alabama is still Alabama kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Hear the next guy out before you. Yeah. Uh, we get this. Saban knew he was retiring this season. He declared Jupiter permanent residence for homestead exemption. Can, can we get, yeah, okay, that is true. And that was uncovered by like a real estate website. 
But can we also use our brains? There's no state income tax in Florida. And so it might have made more sense for him to claim residency in Florida, even if he was still living in Alabama. The guy's smart, and he's got brilliant accountants. He wasn't claiming Homestead because he knew for a fact that he was retiring after the year. Was a lot more reflective, though. I mean, the more people bring up things, uh, the, the more it seemingly was kind of right in front of us. Even if it wasn't right in front of him, it was right in front of us in a weird way. But, I mean, what, what this creates is is fascinating. Because too many people, a key, I, I saw it a lot last night, is, well, in this era, Alabama can't compete anymore. Please stop with that line of thinking. Of course they can. No, they can't hoard all of the talent, but their last three recruiting classes are ranked number two, number one, and number two. Alabama has been just fine in talent acquisition in the NIL era, and they're going to continue to be just fine because very few places have the give-a-rip that Alabama does. It's got the history, it's got the prestige, but it's also got the current. Like, they're going to be fine. I don't know why people are talking as if it's, like, not a elite, one of the best jobs in America job anymore. It's very bizarre to me. The new era doesn't change that. It does, however... Like I said yesterday, and I wasn't being hyperbolic, it doesn't matter who they hire. It does not matter who it is. They're taking a step backwards. May may end up being a small one, maybe a huge one. I don't know. But whoever they hire is not and will never be Nick Saban, I don't think. Because if we're going to sit here and say he's the greatest football coach of all time, the greatest of all time, a regression to the mean is coming, whether big, whether small, doesn't matter. A step backwards is coming. There's one thing that we know without question about Nick Saban, beyond his national championships and his on-field success. The man likes to look at water from wherever he is resting his head on the pillow at night. He lives on Lake Tuscaloosa. He has a lake house at Lake Burton. And he bought a $17.5 million house in South Florida with an ocean view. I like looking at the water, too. Love to have three houses looking at the water. Sorry, hey, Dad, I hate to dispel your myth. I don't right now. And if I had his resources, I also would probably have one looking at a mountain. Maybe with water at the base of the mountain, but looking at a mountain as well. Um, Borky, I... I think I agree with you. I think it is unlikely that whoever the next coach is at Alabama will win six national championships in the following 17 years. But I also don't know that that means that Alabama is about to immediately take a step back as a program either. That's uh, Yeah. They're still going to be one of the elite programs in college football. Unless they just tank the next hire. If they hire Dabo. Greg Byrne does not have a history of tanking hires. John Talty will join us next on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. Glad to have you along in the Pearl River Resort studio. We go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. John Talty is a senior writer at 24-7 Sports. He is an author, including of a book entitled The Leadership Secrets of Nick Saban. John, always uh, appreciate your time. Uh, kind of a, a crazy 24 hours, I guess not quite 24 hours, since the uh, the news came out yesterday that Nick Saban was stepping down. What's it been like in the state of Alabama? It's it's a crazy situation. It really is. You know, I think this is something that you know there's been a buzz about this. You know, for a few months now that. People who are informed wondering, is this the year? And there are various different factors that pointed people to believe that it could be. But he was still going at such a high level, still doing the daily grind, that you were always skeptical that it would actually happen. And I think, you know, we reported uh, last night, and I think, you know, uh, Saban has since kind of confirmed in, in the interview of ESPN that, like, that he was interviewing a coaching candidate up until 3.55 p.m., and then he announced, less than 10 minutes later that he was retiring. I mean, it's just it's stunning in some regard. Uh, and it seems like he was, you know, in some ways wavering. Is this really what he wanted to do? It caught a lot of people off guard. Uh, his staff was not aware that he was about to make an announcement that he was retiring. Players were not aware that he was about to make an announcement that he was retiring. So it's one of those things that I think it was truly him, his wife, and, of course, he consulted with his agent, Jimmy Sexton. But for the most part, the vast, vast majority of people in that building and in that room and guys who are you know, at the highest level of the staff who would normally know these kind of things had no idea what he was about to do yesterday. So you, you've covered Nick Saban for a long time, John, and I, I mentioned you've written a book about him. Is this, is this on brand in your mind for Nick Saban and the way that he goes about his business, the way that he does things, even to the point of what you were saying just a second ago and – we talked a little bit about the Reese Davis interview where he, um, you know, says he was waffling to the very end and was very much going about his business of being the head coach at Alabama right up until the point that he announced to his team, as you said just a second ago, that he was retiring. Yeah, I think it is. Um, I do think in some ways it's quintessential Nick Saban. I think he's someone who has always known it takes a certain level of commitment uh, to do what he does, and it's a part – that's my understanding why, you know, why he walked away, what he explained to the team that he just felt like he just couldn't do what he knew he needed to do at the level he needed to do it to be able to, you know, best lead that team. But it's something kind of, I don't know if amusing is the right word, but just very much a Nick Saban that it almost feels like he, it's like drive, it's like kind of Thelma Louise, like he was going to drive that car until the very moment that he had hit, had to hit the cliff and ultimately retire. I mean, he was just going to go until the very, minute he couldn't just because of his you know routine as a guy who's very structured and organized and i think he just felt like i have to give it all i have until the very last second and here's the amazing thing so he said yesterday he's retiring he was still in the office this morning the same time he normally would be he left early today but he was still in the office working the day after he retired and you know uh i don't know i mean when the day comes that i retire i don't know that i will be doing that uh but i think it just shows uh who he is and and why he has been able to be the greatest college football coach of all time, that he was able to put in that kind of daily work and commitment every day. Every day of every year for probably, was it 50-plus years now that he's, been a head, that he's been a coach. Yeah, real slacker knocking off at 2.30 on a Thursday. I mean, what's he thinking? Um, hard, to, hard to believe. Um, 
There are a lot of people, John, that have pointed to the purchase of the home in uh, in Jupiter as well, that was the sign, or that is the sign that that he is nearing the end. Is that coincidence for a guy that has um, significant resources, or should that have been telling to uh, to more of us that you know that this probably is coming to an end soon? Yeah, you know it's interesting because I think there were lots of different breadcrumbs that. You know, just a little inside baseball here. I mean, myself and some of the people of our team, and we've been talking about this possibility for, for, I mean, really for years, but especially this year, all these little things like, ah, that's kind of weird, and that's interesting, and I wonder what that means. It's just, but you've heard the rumors for so many years that, again, yeah. there was just that part of me that was just always skeptical this would actually be the year, even though some of the evidence looking back on it has started to build up. And what's interesting, I think it was maybe a week or two ago, there's a story in a Florida newspaper that he had established that Jupiter home as his primary residence to get, you know, like a tax discount. Sure. I remember thinking like, huh, that's kind of interesting. Like, I wonder what that means. And then, you know, you get caught up with other stuff in life and I've been bouncing around and I just didn't get a good enough answer from a tax ex- expert uh, about it. But that was something that like really raised an alarm for me of like, ah, he's declaring that as his primary residence. Like that's not something you can really mess around with. So, We'll see if that ends up being the case. But, yeah, I think that that definitely set alarms off for people. And I think he said all the right things to all the people around him. But looking back on it, yeah, you can probably make that argument. Visiting with John Talty on the Farm Bureau guest line. John, uh, there were a lot of people that were convinced that uh, this was a slam dunk and Dan Lanning was going to just slide right in and be the next coach and, and not miss a beat. Uh, it appears he is staying at uh, at Oregon. There are people who have already decided that Kalen DeBoer is that guy, that Mike Norvell is that guy. Um, Greg Byrne operates with a level of secrecy that very few athletics directors are able to do when searching for a new coach. What's your gut on, on how this thing plays out? Yeah, he's kept it very close to vest. Uh, a lot of the speculation that you're – seeing right now is some people who are informed, you know, in the industry, things like that. But, you know, he's, from my understanding, really not talking to people. He's trying to conduct it uh, very stealth, likes to refer to himself as a ninja. You know, this is the way that he likes to do things. And you look back to his basketball hire, you know, a few years back with Nate Oates, and that really came out of nowhere, and it didn't leak before he put it out there himself. And that's my understanding that he would love to do that again. That's a little bit harder with a really prominent football coaching search, but I think he's done a good job of keeping, you know, out, various boosters and things who might leak out information to people like me and has really done it on the stealth. But, yeah, I mean, to to what you were saying earlier, there, there's a couple of names that are getting bandied about the most uh, from the various people that I've talked to, the ones that I've been told to, you know, keep an eye on. You mentioned Mike Norvell. You mentioned Kalen DeBoer. And then Steve Sarkeesian was the other one that I said I was told to, you know, keep an eye on that that be in some ways unlikely for him to leave Texas. But there was a lot of mutual admiration, especially between Saban and Sark, and that, he had, you know, essentially told Sark before he left for Texas, like, hey, if you stay, like, we could set you up to be my successor. So, uh, you know, that that's a pull in the heartstrings potentially there. But, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a huge search. Uh, searches can be chaotic. There's already been a lot of misinformation out there, especially the Dan Lanning and Tuscaloosa stuff, which was never accurate. So you're just trying to sift <laughs> through it, and, you know, we'll see uh, what ends up being here soon enough. John, I got to ask you this because we're in Mississippi, and certainly it has been a huge topic of conversation today. Uh, Lane Kiffin, his name has been mentioned by some. There are uh, there are a lot of people in and around Alabama and that Alabama football program that have, have said absolutely not. Lane Kiffin is is not on the radar. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he is in the mix? That he's 
in the conversation that he's on the mind of Greg Byrne? So I've been told by numerous people over the years, people that I you know trust, believe, things like that, that that was not going to happen when the time came for Nick to leave. And I've checked in with some of those people, and they have said nothing's changed. Now, could I be wrong? Could other people, I think Greg McElroy has said similar things, like, could other people be wrong? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Greg Burns is his own guy, and you know, he and other people are going to be involved in doing a search. And I can also remember, I'll give you another Mississippi guy. I can remember two-plus years ago when Auburn had a search, and I was told Hugh Freeze is absolutely not going to be the guy. Well, he wasn't. They hired Brian Harson, and two years later they hired him. So things change. Things can happen. You miss on some guys. You might say the guy you're not going to hire is the guy that you do hire. But I will say the buzz out of Tuscaloosa for a while now, but especially recently again, is that, like, Wayne is not a serious option at this time. Uh, last thing for you, John. Um, were you surprised that the, the Dan Lanning thing didn't work out? How, how serious do you believe that was? You know, I, I don't know if I would say I was surprised. I mean, I think it's we've tried to identify for years now, like who could be the guy to replace Nick one day. And Dan was the one that made the most sense, I think, on paper right now, given the ties to Alabama, the ties to Georgia. He's a relentless recruiter, which would fit in really well. But if you looked at what he said over the years, he has said over and over again how happy he is at Oregon, how he doesn't want to leave. I think he said, this is going to be my last job. Now, you can be skeptical of those things, and I think a lot of people were. But if you look at the words he said, he has said over and over again, he really does not looking to leave Oregon. And there's always been that question of, do you want to be the guy who replaces Nick Saban, or do you want to be the guy who replaces the guy who replaced Nick Saban? And He's in such a good situation right now with an opportunity to move to the Big Ten, probably be one of the top teams in the Big Ten next year. Yeah. Uh, I can see why he stayed, and it's a, he's in a great situation. But he was certainly the name that most people identified in the immediate aftermath of Nick Saban's uh, retirement. Dan Lanning looked pretty content puffing on that cigar at the uh, the end of the video that uh, they put out today. Looked pretty content. He's in a great spot. No doubt. John, thanks so much for your time and for your insight. I know it's a busy stretch. Uh, keep up the good work. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Appreciate you. John Talty from 24-7 Sports, covers Alabama, senior writer for 24-7, also does some stuff for the Wall Street Journal, and is working on a new book with Armin Katayan and is the author of the previous Wall Street bestseller, The Leadership Secrets of Nick Saban. John joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Mississippi Farm Bureau. Communication system is a go. go. This, this is... Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Glad to be with you. The Nick Saban coaching news of retiring, stepping down as Alabama's head coach is not the only major coaching news that is out there. Of course, yesterday we got the news that Pete Carroll was stepping down at Seattle. He is a Super Bowl winning coach. He is a national championship winning coach, of course, at Southern Cal. And today 
the most successful head coach, or certainly on the short list of most successful head coaches in the history of the NFL, Bill uh, Bill Belichick, steps down, I think is the right word. He was getting fired. If he stepped down, it was to save face. They, they, They were moving on from him. He is no longer the head coach of the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick, after 24 seasons, said today, we're moving on in a joint, not so much press conference. Press was there. Statements were made from the podium. Uh, Statements from uh, Robert Kraft and from Bill Belichick. Robert Kraft said, this is a move that we mutually agreed that is needed at this time. What Bill accomplished, in my opinion, will never be duplicated. Uh, Belichick said that he will always be a Patriot. He thanked the Kraft uh, family for the opportunity and the support and said, we had a vision of building a championship football team that has exceeded my wildest dreams and expectations. I'm very proud of that. I'll always have those great memories. will carry those with me the rest of my life. Um, Kraft did say it'll be difficult to see him in a cutoff hoodie on the sideline, but I'll always wish him continued success, except when it's against the beloved Patriots. 296 wins. That is second only to George Hallis and his 324 wins. Um, it's been a remarkable career for Bill Belichick. The seven Super Bowls is almost unfathomable. But for the last couple of years, a lot of people have been downgrading Bill Belichick as a coach because he has not maintained the success that he had with Tom Brady as his quarterback. Is that... What what do you make of that? Does it lessen the accomplishment of Bill Belichick because he did not sustain the success he had with the most successful quarterback of all time? Is it feel like the chicken and the egg a little bit? I don't I don't know. I, when I think about Belichick, the first thing that always pops into my head is that he didn't do anything without Brady, but Brady went and won another Super Bowl in Tampa. So that that's that's I mean unfortunate maybe. Because I mean you can't deny six Super Bowls, but that's the first thing I think of. I mean, and it's fair, right? I mean, his, his record is quite bad uh, without the greatest quarterback to ever live who altered a culture in Tampa and took them to a Super Bowl. Uh, I, I mean, you, you can't ignore that stuff. I, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest, the, the prospect of him coaching the Falcons kind of excites me because Belichick after Brady has gotten personnel poorly. He's gotten it wrong. He's gotten coordinator hires wrong. Gotten quarterback wrong. And, and so I, I want to play against that. Yeah. I, I just can't help but wonder, though, surely that was a mutually beneficial relationship. Had to have been, of course. I, I, I mean, mean I, I, it's hard for me to believe that Tom Brady is what he was without Bill Belichick. And certainly I don't believe that Bill Belichick is what he was without Tom Brady. And sometimes people do lose their fastball. 
I mean, maybe he maybe he's just not as good anymore. Because you hear stories about. I was listening to Dan Patrick this morning, and uh, he, he had a former Patriot on and, and was talking about his first day when he walked into the facility, and they had a, an OTA and Brady missed a throw and Belichick got onto him, and the guy thought, "Oh, this it, it is different here." Because in other places, the quarterback, especially a good one, doesn't get chewed out by a coach in OTAs for missing a throw. And here's Belichick getting on Brady's rear end for missing passes in OTAs, and he's like, I I understand why they're winning now. It's very interesting insight into just his process and the attention to detail. And some people do lose that, but at, at the Patriots, everything was regimented and perfect. Always. Super Bowl championships in 2001, 2003, 2004, 2014, 2016, and 2018. Um, No playoff appearances in the last two years. Cultural shift in Tampa once Brady arrived, yes, no doubt. But Brady also got to handpick where he went. And he wouldn't pick have picked a place that he didn't believe that there were some pieces there to give him a chance to have one more ride, I think. And then free agents wanted to come play with him because of his legacy. And so it worked out nicely for him. Four o'clock hour, going to be loaded down with guests. we got more coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi with you right after this. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Streaming with you at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Of course, on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. Coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio. Visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. Ceasefire text line is open at 601-879-4395. Love to hear from you. Right now, we're going to hear from Cole Kubelik from Jocks in Birmingham and uh, college football analyst with ESPN and the SEC Network. What a day, Cole. Uh, what a 24 hours it has been since the uh, the announcement of Nick Saban's retirement at Alabama. I'm sure uh, one of the more, uh, I don't know if interesting, entertaining, exciting shows that uh, you and Greg McElroy have done since the uh, two of you have been paired up. I would say all of those. Um, and, and then some more adjectives you could probably throw in there. Um, it was it doesn't feel real just yet. I don't think it's going to feel real for me until I see somebody else run that team out of the tunnel against Western Kentucky in week one, and maybe even until I interview whoever it is. So it's just, I think we all kind of knew this day was coming. And we had, we had Paul Feinbaum on jocks last night when we went live and he really, I thought stated it extremely well in that it's, it's hard to actually get everything out that you want to say right now, because for so many years, this has come up, and we've wanted this to be a talking point, but there's a certain population of that fan base that would just go immediate attack mode to the point to where it just numbed you to it, and you didn't even want to address it anymore. Mm. So we've just sort of left this alone for such a long time that I almost think now it's, it's made it a little bit more difficult to talk about because we haven't, we haven't sort of let ourselves into it. Um, and it did hit 
fairly quickly. Like there weren't a lot of people, there weren't a lot of warning shots. There weren't a lot of flares in the air letting you know that this was coming. I mean, this was, this was a little bit out of nowhere. The timing is not great for Alabama. The timing's not great for any coach in college football. But, you know, Nick Saban obviously decided that it was his time. And so now the greatest coach of all time moves on. And the ripple effects is, is going to be loud. It's going to be heavy because there's going to be a, a big name coach that leaves wherever he is. He's going to take assistance. There will be some assistants that maybe stay in Tuscaloosa. Others that are very highly thought of going to have to find other jobs. And then, of course, the portal reopens for Alabama kids. That could be something that's very interesting and very different. So there's just a lot to it. And it goes into the biggest season of change that we have ever experienced in our lifetimes, and it only makes it that much more bigger. I mean, it multiplies at times three or four. We're already going to get these two super conferences. We're already going to have a 12-team playoff. We already have one conference that we all grew up with that's going to be dissolved and gone and just vanished. And then now you add the fact that Nick Saban's going to be gone. I believe Jim Harbaugh is going to be gone. That'll leave us with three head coaches that have won a national title that are going to be coaching college football next year. It's just it's it's insane to think about. Cole, for the purposes of this conversation, I, I'm I'm most interested in some of the interaction that you had with Nick Saban when nobody else was around. Um, I, I think maybe most people know this, probably some don't. But when you when you do a television broadcast for a game. Usually you go in and you visit with the home team in person. And I know that, that you and Tom and Jordan, uh, especially when you had an Alabama game, would, would usually go the day before or a couple of days before and go to an Alabama practice and then have the opportunity to, to sit and, and visit with Nick Saban and talk to him about his team. Some coaches are very forthcoming. Uh, they're gracious with their time. They're engaging. Some are cold and standoffish. What, what was it like for you? in those kind of one-on-one or three-on-one times with Nick Saban? It was always awesome uh, for us. And for me, it was a little bit easier because I can I can shoot over from Birmingham and, and get to practice. So we had their first game, so I went to a couple fall practices this year. Uh, he allowed me to come over, and, and he, he does a great job of always coming over and speaking to you during practice, after practice. I watched like two periods of practice with him one day uh, during fall camp. He would always come over after practice. Um, we were at a point where he would give me a hard time about a lot of different things. He always made fun of me because I would go watch the offensive line in practice, and he would always say, you can never learn anything. Watching the offensive line, you need to come watch the secondary. And so I'd go watch the secondary and give him a hard time that I didn't pick up on anything really that was happening there because he's just yelling at people the whole time. <laughs> so it, 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 it got to be pretty entertaining back and forth. And, you know, he called me a double agent at practice one day. That's why they had the music cranked or the noise cranked up, so I couldn't take any secrets back to Auburn, like giving me a hard time about that. He is, I mean, just you just want to try to soak up as much of that knowledge as you can and some of that experience as possible and just some of his ideas. And we had a cool moment two years ago where I, I kind of asked him about coverage and pass interference and how difficult it is and how you coach around that. He actually stood up, and he's like walking us through demos and how he coaches it and how he teaches the DBs and things that you need to know of how to avoid getting a pass interference call and how you be how you stay in phase and how you use your hands. And Josh Max in the SID, when he walked out, said, guys, I'm going to be honest with you, I've never, never seen him stand up and like demonstrate something for a TV crew. Like That was pretty impressive. So I, it, we were fortunate to be around him a little bit the last couple of years that I think – you know, allowed him to let us in a little bit, sort of cracked it, cracked the door open to a certain extent. And he's he's funny, he's entertaining, he's quick witted. Um, and and when you get that far down the road with him, 
he's really cool to be around. And I got to share a couple of instances with him this year. We spent about 15, 20 minutes together on the field after the SEC championship game. We talked about a lot of different things. I'm not going to share all of them, but it's something that I will tell my kids about before I die. Um, that wow. the greatest coach in, in, in college football history, we had this discussion about these things. Like it was, it was just that special. And so he was always great to us. He was always gracious with his time. Um, even if it was quick, he made sure he'd come over after practice, say hello, ask us how we were doing, if we needed anything. And, and never really, like, was never quick and short right, when he would sit down with us for the actual meetings going into a game and always shared great information with us. So it's tough, man, because he's, you, it's, it's always going to be limited the amount of time you get with him. And there's so much that you want to learn or so many, so many different discussions you want to try to have with him. That's why it was always tricky. Some of these guys are always so difficult. Like, Lane is, is tough because I walk up to Lane, Richard, and half the time he's already talking, and I just put the microphone in his face, and he goes, and the quotes <laughs> are amazing. You know, Leach was, I mean, I, I would try so hard, and I would think so much about ways that I could be creative to ask him a non-football question that would lead into a football answer. And it was the biggest challenge of my career every time I talked to him. And with Coach Saban, there were so many things that you want to ask him that it was difficult to kind of try to filter through, okay, what, do we, what answer do we need the most? Like, what do we need to hear him discuss the most? And I had a lot of conversations with my producer, you know, five, seven minutes left in the half. Like, should we go here? Do I need to go there? What do you think? We're kicking things back and forth. So he challenged me in a lot of different ways, and I'll always be appreciative of that, and I'll always be appreciative of his time and, and the knowledge that he did share with us. Will we hear from Nick Saban? Going forward, do, do you see a you know low low hanging fruit here, college game day type role, or some other television capacity, or does he fade into the sunset? No, he's not. I don't think he can. I don't think he can fade into the sunset. Um, I think he loves college football too much, and I think college football needs him too much. Now, I think you could see multiple roles. I could see, I mean, after today, there's some discussions about a, a role with the university. Um, I just, I think he understands the distraction that that could be. So I, I think that could be something a little bit more entitled than maybe actually it is being in there watching film every day. However, keep in mind, Joe Pendry has been Nick Saban's guy that he leaned on for a long portion of his coaching career. And I think Nick Saban knows the value in that. You've heard me joke around about an FU coach before. Like every coach needs a guy that can come in there and be like, Hey man, you need to stop doing this or don't say that anymore. Or, Hey, why is this kid playing? And you know, they have their, your best interest in mind and the program's best interest in mind. Joe Pendry was that guy for Nick Saban for a lot of years. I think Coach Saban could see himself sort of being that guy, but I think he's going to have to be asked to be that guy. He's not going to go in there and say, hey, uh, Greg Byrne, make me this and give me this title, and I'll do this and this and this for the team. That, that's not him. He doesn't need a victory parade. You know, He doesn't need that one last year where he goes around and gets a motorcycle and a baseball bat and a car and an autograph ball from everybody. Like He doesn't want that. He doesn't need that. But the, he, when you've poured as much of your life into this sport as he has, I honestly, Richard, I don't think you can walk away from it. And I don't think you can turn your back on it because it's going to keep pulling you back in somehow, some way. So could I see him with some sort of a consultant role at Alabama that takes a little time, a television role, be it studio game day, 
it takes a little more time. Um, and then I, I, maybe some other consulting role where he goes and speaks or he does clinics or people fly him in to look at their film and tell them what they need to adjust. I could see him doing some or all of those things, to be honest with you. I'm not sure, I'm not sure one thing is going to satisfy him. And I know this. He's not going to be able to wake up every day and just kind of figure it out. Like, he's too organized. He's too regimented. He's too detailed. He's got to have things lined up, in my opinion, to sort of keep him happy. And, Richard, he, was, he went to the office at 7.15 this morning. Yeah. He's calling recruits crazy. today. Like, he, I mean, I just, that's, and I, I would imagine he didn't have to do that, but he, he just felt like that's what he should do. So uh, it's going to be really interesting, but there's no way that he's disappearing. No shot. Cole, really appreciate the time. Thanks for the insight. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Cole Kublik, college football analyst with ESPN and the SEC Network and host of McElroy and Kublik, co-host of that show on Jocks in Birmingham. Back with you after this, Chris Stewart from the Crimson Tide Sports Network joins us next. It's sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah. Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Thursday afternoon, the 11th of January, the 10th of January. In the state of Alabama is a day that will be remembered for a long, long time. Let's go back to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. From the Crimson Tide Sports Network, he's the play-by-play voice of Alabama basketball and has been for about two decades and for the last couple of years has done a lot of play-by-play work with Alabama football as well. Chris Stewart, my good friend, who I think is juggling chainsaws right now, but was kind enough <laughs> to uh, slow down and spend a few minutes with us. Uh, wow, what a uh, what what a time! Yeah, I don't normally do ten interviews in a day, but but mm. you were the the tenth, and I messed up and missed you in an earlier window, and I apologize for that. But uh, it's crazy. It's uh, you know, Richard, I was a little boy when Coach Bryan announced his retirement and uh, and would die literally a month later. And I'm the same age, in the same grade that my son is now, my youngest. Oh, wow. And uh, I just couldn't help but think, of, think back to the day that Coach Bryant died. And I was in the gym at my sev- as a seventh grader. I was in the gym at my middle school when I had a, a coach come up and tell me that they just heard that, Coach Bryant had passed away, and it dawned on me uh, as my I knew my son was going through basketball practice. Wow, there's my seventh grade son in a gym, and I guarantee you, a coach just told him. And when he got home, I found out that that is exactly what had happened. So uh, historic, uh, uh, sad. It's not a death. Uh, thankfully, it is the retirement of of someone who amazingly Richard is being spoken of in the same breath with coach Brian. I'll let other people debate that. That's not one I'm going to get in the middle of, but uh, the fact that there could even be a conversation in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, that someone might be on a par with uh, Paul Bryant is absolutely unbelievable. So, so Chris, I, I, 
this obviously is a story that has taken the college football world by storm, and I can only imagine what it's like in the state of Alabama, but we spent the better part of two days talking about this now. We're one state, you know, share a conference. I had lunch with a friend today, and I told him, I thought about this when you, you mentioned your son, during our show yesterday, I've got an 11-year-old son, a 13-year-old daughter. Now, my, my 6-year-old daughter, she's not there yet. But my two older ones are, are to the point now where they are interested in college football happenings. And so I yeah. text both of them during the show yesterday, and they both responded. And my daughter was like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that. What? What? And, and my son, who's 11, was far more succinct. He just said, why, uh, when I, I told yeah. him that Nick Saban retired but but I was sharing that with someone that I was having lunch with today, and he goes, yeah, I mean, I've got a group text with a bunch of guys, and we were all going crazy. He said, but then my wife texted me. He's like, she didn't care about football, but she was interested in this. And I feel like this is news that has kind of crossed all ages, all genders, football fan, yeah. not a football fan. It has piqued everyone's curiosity. No, I, I agree. Um, hey. If you didn't know college football, you knew Nick Saban. Mm. Um, just like if you didn't know pro football, you knew Vince Lombardi. Um, you know the name probably Bill Belichick. Um, you know, you, you knew the great managers or the great baseball players or whatever you want to go with. Yeah. There are certain individuals that that if you have any knowledge of sports whatsoever, uh, even in passing, you would recognize those names, or maybe only in passing, you would recognize the name. And Alabama Crimson Tide is a brand name, and certainly Nick Saban in the realm of college football was a household name before he arrived in Tuscaloosa. But when you tack six more national titles onto the one that he claimed in Baton Rouge, um, there is there is the rarest of air that he is in. And uh, it's not surprising that, you know, the nightly news is not something we watch like we used to as kids, Richard. And I'm no. probably being unfair to you because I'm older than you are. But, you know, if you wanted to know the news, you watched NBC, CBS, ABC. Fox wasn't even around yet. It was, it was uh, Tom Brokaw and Dan Rather and Peter yeah, Jennings. Those were the three. There's, there's no doubt. But you watched it. And I remember knowing that Coach Bryant's death really was a big deal because I remember Tom Brokaw doing the story on NBC Nightly News. And similarly, um, I would be shocked if on the Nightly News tonight on one of those programs, you don't hear reference to it, or it's not a full story, on the fact that Nick Saban has called it quits and called it a career. So, Chris, you, you've worked with the Crimson Tide Sports Network for a long time, and one of your responsibilities has to been uh, has been to host the Nick Saban television show. And yeah. I, I've watched as you've done that, not necessarily watch the show, but but watch the behind the scenes. And you were privy to Nick Saban, where at times he could have been at his most raw because it was almost immediately after the game. You guys would set those chairs up on the field and the cameras would set up, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, whatever, after the game was over. I'm assuming that that 
gave you a glimpse into maybe a side of Nick Saban that most of the public did not know. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think it is fair. You know, and you phrased it so well, Richard, because in your role that you have with Ole Miss and, and what you've done over the years there, you understand where I'm about to go with this. There are a lot of interviews that I've done even today where people, <laughs> excuse me, with good intentions and good journalists would incorrectly say, well, Chris, with your show, I know that you're so you're as close to Coach Saban as anybody. Mm. No, 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 no. Let me be real clear. I've never been invited to go to Lake Burton. Um, <laughs> you know, I've never. I've, it's too bad. I've, uh, yeah, I've been over to the house a few times, and it was part of a big uh, A-Day gathering where I was there with a, a couple hundred or so of my closest friends or people mostly that I'd never seen before, but we were mm-hmm. lucky enough to be invited to a, a post-A-Day uh, soiree, as it was called, by Miss Terry. Uh, so, you know, I'm not I'm not coming over for, for potluck dinner or anything like that. So I'm not, I'm not hanging out with the man. Um, but you're absolutely right. My job allowed me to see him after some phenomenal wins and some absolutely gut-wrenching losses. And I'm not so sure that the memories that I will, I don't know that I'll say cherish, but remember perhaps most vividly are the ones after losses and how incredibly he handled those both privately and with his team, uh, even more so than the victories. And that's, that's a testament to who he was or who he is as a leader and and how truly, as is the case with any great coach at any level in any sport, there's so much to learn from a life standpoint as much as there is the sport they may coach. Chris, last thing, got about two minutes left. Um, I asked Cole Kubelik this a little while ago because we were talking about some behind-the-scenes stuff that he had done with television uh, with him. What do you think the next chapter is for Nick Saban? Um, do, do you think there's I, a next chapter? Yeah, I do, and and this is not based on any inside knowledge whatsoever. But, you know, Cole um, is fantastic in television, just as you are. And Cole and I have, you know, had some conversations with this. We've done radio shows together with Coach. Yeah. I think he will be absolutely phenomenal if he chooses to do it as the guy that, follows Lee Corso on game day. I think he'll be terrific. I think he'll be far more entertaining and engaging than most people would think. And he has an ability. One of the coolest things we did with the TV show each week uh, on home games is he would break down a play on a video board. And he loved doing that. And if you get him on a, a grease board or a video board on Saturdays in addition to to a better wit than people realize, he'll be fantastic. You know, it's interesting you say that. Uh, I think Urban Meyer has been phenomenal on the the Fox pregame show, and you have seen some of that in his ability to break down plays and show you things that are happening on the field. It certainly would be fascinating to see that from uh, from Nick Saban. Chris, no, can't thank I you agree. enough. Can't can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, look forward to seeing you in person soon, and uh, we'll catch up down the line. Always appreciate you, buddy. Thanks so much. And, again, I'm sorry I was late.
No, no, it's great. Great to catch up. Appreciate you working us in. Chris Stewart from the Crimson Tide Sports Network joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We're back with more. We'll actually let you hear the words of Nick Saban when we come back when Reese Davis asked him, why now? Why are you stepping away? Sports Talk Mississippi, we're back right after this. To Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. All right, I think it's just us the rest of the way. I appreciate all of our guests on the Farm Bureau guest line. John Talty, Cole Kubelik, and Chris Stewart from the Crimson Tide Sports Network joining us to uh, talk about this big story that uh, a little over 24 hours ago broke. That's the retirement of Nick Saban. Um, we'll move on from this topic in a, in a second. Probably we'll come back to it, uh, your messages and uh, other stuff. But there are a lot of people that are asking the question, why now? They're also, and you guys have probably seen rumors floating around. I've gotten some text messages. There aren't many people that have wanted to like put this part of it online, but in private texts and on message boards, they're saying, well, I've, I've heard that there's an illness. I've heard that Miss Terry's sick. I've heard this and that and the other. Reese Davis asked Nick Saban about both of those things, and if you trust the man, it's, um, well, what he says at surface value is what he says. Here's Reese Davis with Nick Saban. I think. Odd. Why does this never work? I got you. Why did you decide that this was the right time to retire? No, I don't think there's any good time, especially when you're a coach, because once you're a coach, you think you're going to be a coach forever. But I actually thought that uh, in hiring coaches, uh, recruiting players, uh, that my age started to become a little bit of an issue. People wanted... Uh, assurances that I would be here for three years, five years, whatever, and it got harder and harder for me to be honest about. And to be honest, this last season uh, was grueling. Uh, it was a real grind uh, for us to come from where we started to where we got to. Uh, took a little, little more out of me than usual. And you know, when people mentioned the health issue, it was really just the grind of. Can you do this the way you want to do it? Can you do it the way you've always done it and be able to sustain it and do it for the entire season? And if I couldn't make a commitment to do that in the future, uh, the way I I think I have to do it, um, I thought maybe this was the right time based on those two sets of circumstances uh, that, um, like I said, there's never a good time. Uh, But I thought maybe this was the right time. So there's no there's no illness. It's just the grind and the gruel of the season. Yeah, there's no illness. Miss Terry's fine. I'm fine. Um, but it was the can you sustain the season? You know, from just a, a mental grind standpoint. Um, and I, you know, when I was young, you know, I could work till two in the morning, get up at six, and be there the next day and be full of energy and go for it. But when you get a little older, that gets a little tougher and i'm sure a lot of people can relate to that 
So that was Nick Saban, uh, in his own words, on why he stepped down, why the time was now. And it kind of goes to what we alluded to earlier when we were talking about this. Did Nick Saban feel like the fire was not burning quite as hot as it had always burned? And if that was the case, say, all right, if I can't give it everything that I want to give it and I've always given it, now's the time to step away. And it sounds like that was the case. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. I said we'll move on, and, and we can and we will. But I don't think we should because... Well, but the next question becomes, what's next? Exactly. Who's next? And while celebrating Nick Saban is what a lot of people do and want to do and, and will continue to do, and it's deserved, right? I mean... Uh, Chris Stewart kind of gave some caveats there, but you can have the debate. I I don't think there is a debate. I didn't watch the Bear Bryant era the way many did, but Nick Saban is the greatest of all time for my money. The seven national championships at two schools, uh, you know, whatever. You don't have to repeat all the accolades. But who's next? And what should Alabama be looking for? And what is the biggest challenge? I would have loved to have had a little more time in some of those interviews because there were more questions that I would like to have asked. But one of the questions that I'm I'm wondering is, what is the biggest challenge for the next guy? Whoever that guy is. It's a a great question because the, the, the constant, and, and I said it yesterday, but the, I got to laugh. Yes. The, the constant, you don't want to be the guy that follows the God thing, is so just... These guys aren't wired like us. Yes, Dan Landing stayed at Oregon, but don't forget, he turned down Texas A&M as well. Maybe he just thinks that he's got it made and his family doesn't want to leave. I mean, that's entirely possible. But these guys aren't wired like most people. Oh, you never want to follow the guy that... You never want to follow the guy. You want to be the guy after the guy. Well, what does that even mean, really? Well, what happened at LSU, by the way, when Nick Saban left LSU? Who was the guy that followed the guy there? Well, everybody that's followed Nick Saban has won a national title, so it's not that big a deal. Right? Alabama has incredible infrastructure, and there are coaches, lots of them, that look at what Alabama has, looks at what they have, realizes my path to a championship is easier there, I'm going there, regardless of what the guy before me did. It's just crazy to think, oh, I wouldn't. Oh, these all these guys are going to turn down Alabama because Saban was there. You may get one. We've already got one. Landing already publicly said no. Whether or not he was their candidate number one, I guess we'll never know. But it's a great job. It is an elite job. There, I mean, how many could you make an argument are better than Alabama? I have reason to believe, by the way, that he was candidate number one. It certainly seems like it. But, but how many jobs out there are better, even in this new era, than Alabama? Very few. It's an elite-level job. Who they go after, though, is fascinating as all get out. Because every candidate out there, realistic candidate anyway, does have a flaw. Right? Kalen DeBoer's great. That's where everybody's eyes are focused on now that Landing said no. He's great. He's great. Never done it in this region of the country. Not hasn't come anywhere close in this region of the country. Also hadn't been a head coach that long. 
You, you can do it with a lot of these guys. Mike Norvell, it took him a while to get it going at Florida State. Yeah, but he had to go clean up a cult. He, he did. There was a lot that had to be cleaned up at Florida State when Mike Norvell took that job. He did. But he Alabama followed fans, Willie Taggart, who followed the mess that Jimbo left behind. That's right. It's absolutely true. But there is no patience there. You have to win right now, buddy. Today. Hmm. But And if I'm Mike Norvell's agent, I, I am in get me the heck out of here. Because I know the playoff is expanding, but I think the committee told everybody in college football what they think of the Atlantic Coast Conference by Florida State's exclusion from the playoff. And I want out if I'm him. Get me out. Get me to Alabama, agent. I need to go. Hey, Dan, if you were Greg Byrne, who would you be targeting? I would never tell you because I'm Greg Byrne. Okay, You wouldn't get to know. Uh... I was thinking about this earlier today. Like, there's only four candidates right now, now that landing's out. Like, if I say that, the, if I say it's Sark, Kiffin, DeBoer, and uh, oh, I'm moving somebody out, the, Norvell, Norvell, right? So after you get to those four, isn't anybody else like way off the radar right now? To the point where Alabama fans would go, who? Unless it was somebody like Dabo, which they would not be happy about, or it was Kirby, which they would be thrilled about, but I don't see that happening. I mean, those four, this is like the most limited candidate pool I can ever remember. Like, I don't know who the offensive coordinator well, is NFL for. But that's like what I was going to say. Like, I don't know who the offense. Vrabel is interesting, but I think Vrabel will wait probably out Ryan Day. <laughs> or probably headed to New England, one of the two. But, like, who, I don't know who the offensive coordinator is for the Ravens, right? That's just, I know they're the best team in the, in the league this year. So, he's probably a pretty good coach. But what would happen if Alabama hired that guy? The, 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 the top offensive coordinator in the NFL. Their fans would riot. So, I, I don't know. Once you get past that uh, initial it's a guy by the name of Todd Munkin. Okay, would be interesting. That would be an interesting hire. Got some college football experience there. Um, and I just picked the Ravens out of a hat. Didn't know Munkin was there. That was um, impressive, considering but do they, that it was random. Yeah, they need to have a that deep, would actually be a decent hire. Yeah. Do they need to have a deep candidate list though? Why do they need more than four? It's no, that's what I'm saying though. Is like once you get past those those first four names that I mentioned, though, it becomes a wow kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. didn't exce- didn't see that coming. You know, if I say tomorrow that Kalen DeBoer is the head coach, or Mike Norvell's the head coach, or Sark or Kiffin, you're like. Business as usual, Alabama moves on. Anybody else, and you're like, really? Yeah. I, I have, I, I disagree with the whole just cliche of don't be the guy that follows the guy, but I do have one question. And it's like a statement followed by a question, and it's just something I've been kind of rolling around in my head a little bit. Alabama has been involved in NIL. I mean, Nick Saban before last season or two years ago, remember, said that Bryce Young had a million-dollar deal, you know, NIL deal. Alabama has not had to spend money in the NIL space in the same way that others have spent money. It's like there's been a Nick Saban discount. You know, people talk about a hometown discount with players staying with teams. It's like there's been a little bit of a Nick Saban discount because of his proven ability to get elite players to the NFL where they will make millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. 
Are Alabama Boosters fans immediately going to jump into NIL the way other schools have? Because the new guy may have to have that. And are they going to push back on that at all? Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. I promise you in the 5 o'clock hour we're going to get into the basketball conversation from last night because it was a big, big day, big night in the Magnolia State at both Humphrey Coliseum and at the uh, Pavilion, Sandy and John Black Pavilion. Um, and, and wins that can reverberate for a while for both Mississippi State and Ole Miss. So let's... Um, Let's go into uh, we'll we'll kind of bookmark this, and if we want to come back to it later in the show, later in the five o'clock hour, we we can. But but I do think we need to ask the question, the the Lane Kiffin question. Um, I have had multiple people on the Alabama side of things, and if you've been on Twitter, that uh, you you've seen people publicly say Lane Kiffin. Not a candidate. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go so far as to say not a candidate. I've had people text me, is Lane Kiffin going to Alabama? And and my answer is in has been, no, I don't think so. And I don't think right now Lane Kiffin is on Greg Burns' radar. Maybe at the edge, but but he is not a bullseye candidate right now for the Alabama job. Does he want it? Ah, maybe, probably. Can he get it? I think a lot would have to happen over the next two, three, four days for it to get to that point. Does that mean Lane Kiffin's any less of a coach? No, not at all. It doesn't change a thing. Possibly makes a chip on his shoulder a little bigger. Possibly. But what it does mean is that there are a lot of people that are close to that Alabama program or have relationships with people who are pretty tied in, be it high-level donors or administrators or people that are tied to the football program and everybody's kind of saying the same thing. It's 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 not Lane Kiffin, which should allow Ole Miss fans to breathe easier. It's probably going to be disappointing for for Brian Haydad and others. But yeah, the old snap of the fingers. Do you guys agree with that sentiment though? That it doesn't appear right now. Whether you want to look at betting odds or coaching hot boards or reading tea leaves or just listening to people talking. That that is not real high on Greg Burns' list. You agree with that, Hayden? Yeah. I, I, well, what I would say is this: Yes, I do agree that it doesn't appear like Kiffin is candidate A one for for him. Now, 
I would tell you, if I'm Greg Byrne, going back to what, to what we were saying in the previous few minutes, that if if for some reason Norvell says no and you can't get Sark, I mean, I, at some point you just have to say, look, this guy's the best coach we can get, and he's a winner, and he's been here, and he'll he'll win here, and you have to go that route. You can't you can't let personal feelings get in the way of winning. But for me, the more interesting thing with Kiffin is what happens when the Alabama job gets filled. Because if Sark takes it, I would think Texas would come for Lane Kiffin. He would certainly, that would be a job he'd be interested in. I don't know about Washington. I don't I don't, I don't. don't know that he would go to Washington. I mean, it's a Pac-12 school. It's a good school. No, it's a Big Ten school. The idea now. of him coaching, that's right, that's right. The idea of him coaching Will Rogers is absolutely hilarious. And then, but but hold on, Florida let's be State, real. Washington makes zero sense. Doesn't front. doesn't make Oregon might have made sense. Made, Washington makes yeah. absolutely doesn't no make sense. Much sense. So throw doesn't that one. I I grant you, I grant you that. And then there's Florida State. I mean, I think feel like that would be a good fit for for Kiffin. But you know, Florida State's kind of in flux right now. What are so. what are they doing? Oh, I I think it's a great program. They 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 would win big. It's an easier path to the playoff than you're going to get at Ole Miss. Is it? But yeah, as the ACC champion, yeah, for sure. Yeah. W- would you like yeah. to jump in your time machine from a week ago? You can't predict that. And that was a 12-team playoff. Yeah. yeah, the ACC champion will always be in the 12-team playoff. So that's where I'm looking. It's like not so much at Alabama. It's what job comes open as a result of Alabama. Boy, yeah, I think that's well thought out too, right? I mean, it feels less like Alabama and more like if there is concern for Ole Miss fans to be had, it should be like a butterfly effect. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Sark's leaving Texas for I don't Alabama. think so either. I don't either. So, I mean, are we saying Norvell? Is that our official Sports Talk Mississippi prediction at this point? Or does he just say, or no, or does Byrne do what he wants to do? And say, we're getting Kiffin. If that is indeed what Byrne wants to do. What if what Byrne wants to do is go get somebody like Mike McDaniel? I mean, the last time they went and got a coach from the Miami Dolphins, it worked out pretty well. Just saying. I may be a little different. You you don't think you could get him? No. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. Sports Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock hour. We're back with you right after this. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Clock Hour, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas, and they are available for you to play. You can book your tee time online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. Dancing Rabbit, part of Pearl River Resort. C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. 
Connect and protect. That's the plan that gives your kids the device that they want and you the protection that you you demand, right? You want to make sure that your kids are protected online. C Spire gives you the tools to do just that. Learn more online at cspire.com. C Spire, customer inspired. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky. Sports Talk is brought to you in part by Genteel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can find them at men's specialty stores all across the state of Mississippi, including at Abraham's in Cleveland, Claude Julian's in Kosciuszko, MLM in Tupelo, Shirley Dogs in Corinth, The Well-Dressed Man in Brookhaven, Oxbow in Memphis, Harry Meyer Clothing in Meridian, and Landry's on the Square in Oxford. You can also find them online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. It is time for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford tough. You can test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Here's a different story for you. You know, new new president of the NCAA, and people kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt, Charlie Baker, trying to... Uh, be better than Mark Emmert was, which is not a super hard bar to clear. But then you get this. NCAA President Charlie Baker said Michigan's football national championship was earned, quote, fair and square, close quote, and that his organization's unusual decision to share information about cheating allegations during the season should help to eliminate doubts about the legitimacy of the Wolverines' title run. From Charlie Baker, quote, I don't regret doing it because sitting on that information, giving the comprehensiveness of it, I think we would have put everyone, including Michigan, in an awful place. At the end of the day, no one believes at this point that Michigan didn't win the national title fair and square. So I think we did the right thing. More? We do have a series of discussions going on with the infractions folks about whether or not we can't do something To speed up the pace of our investigations, certainly in a case like this, we'd like to be able to move a lot more quickly. Oh, great. Thank you. So everybody believes that Michigan won their national championship fair and square, open quote, close quote. There's 13 other coaches in the Big Ten that probably have a different opinion, Charlie. It's possible. Well, there's however many other coaches in FBS that have a different opinion. And FCS and, and two and three and the NAIA, high school, most of the NFL, plus you know, just most regular folk folks. out here. Yeah. Yeah, just a few um, of us. The, the, <laughs> fair and square. The head coach of the national champion, Michigan Wolverines, who won it on the field and got to hoist the trophy had their head coach suspended on two different occasions. For two different infractions matters, one for the first three games of the regular season, and by the way, that case has not reached its resolution, and once again for three games at the end of the regular season for an organized cheating scandal, which Harbaugh claims Michigan is innocent, despite 
overwhelming evidence to the contrary. The whole thing's just so stupid. That the NCAA had in its hands and gave to Michigan so that Michigan would handle it themselves, would self-discipline, and to expose the scandal so that everybody knew that this was on the up and up from here on out. Oh, yeah. Ooh, okay. Right. Mm-hmm. What you just said. Yeah. He's lucky Saban retired. Because this would have been much more impactful. Oh, oh, you mean this wouldn't have been buried in the news cycle? Hey, this got so buried in the news cycle that nobody even noticed that the head of the NCAA was like, oh, yeah, all good, everybody agrees, yeah, go go Michigan. <laughs> Excuse me? Not everybody uh, agrees with you there, but... Um, the NFL season's not over yet. I am. I mean, we've got crazy movement in college football right now. Kind of unprecedented, right? You know, Saban retires, and I mean, Michigan might come open here soon. Either almost everyone that covers the NFL believes that Michigan is going to be open soon. Yeah, and that certainly might be a job that that doesn't even come open because they promote from within, but think about the the jobs that came open and the timing of those jobs that came open. Alabama, middle of January, kind of. Possibly Florida State after that. Michigan, even later than that. Three blue blood, big brand, historic programs, losing coaches, in frankly, in the worst time. This is the worst time for Alabama to lose a coach. Because that portal's open, man. And your roster is one that everybody... I promise you, you have two former assistants on the same staff in the state of Mississippi right now that have spent their day talking to Alabama players. Are they going to be able to get any? I don't know. But I promise you... And if not directly... And, and, and not directly to Alabama players, maybe. In some cases, probably. But certainly indirectly. Oh, no doubt. And LSU, LSU needs defensive players. Have you seen the current depth on the LSU defensive line? There isn't any. They can't even field a team at the moment unless they're going to have walk-ons in the two deep. So I promise you there's some defensive linemen in Tuscaloosa that LSU is making contact with today. Georgia lost some depth pieces. I bet Kirby's working his contacts and on and on and on and on. This is a horrible time. Uh, to to be replacing a coach. And I mean, everybody thinks it's going to happen quickly, but for now, seeds are being planted in the heads of Alabama players all day long and all night last night. Yeah. It's going to happen to Florida State if, if it's him. It's going to happen to Washington if it's him. Probably won't happen to Michigan as much, but it's still going to happen to Michigan too. Those are great rosters. Great rosters. Wide open. For 30 days? Yeah. And look, that, that that's why the speed of this process at Alabama is really, really important. And it's why you saw the reporting that said Greg, Sa- or, uh, Greg Saban, Greg Byrne, told the team that they hoped to have a new coach in place in 72 hours. And it's why reportedly Nick Saban asked the current players 
to wait 72 hours before making any decisions. Is, is Greg Saban the ESPN name to try to win an, an Emmy? What, what, is, that, is that who that was? All right, so I saw you sent that link, and I just have not had time to click on it and read it. you got to brief me on that story quickly. we got two minutes. Borky, fill me in if I'm wrong. Basically, ESPN tried to make sure that Kirk Herbstreet and Desmond Howard were getting Emmy trophies, and because they they would win for individual stuff, they couldn't win for, like, best show. So they would make up names to get an Emmy for best show and then take them to the engraver and change the name on it. Mm-hmm. And they have... And so they were using... They had Kirk Henry and Lee Clark and Dirk Howard, and they just made up... They just made it look like they're... And then they would take it and get it re-engraved. And they had to send back, like, 50 Emmys. For 13 so, years, ESPN was they were submitting fake Emmy names scale. to win Emmys specifically for the crew of College Game Day. <laughs> Richard Clark, Michael Bozeman, and Brian Hayden have won awards this year. I hear those guys do a good job. Yeah, the, the article says that there's great. no way that they would have known because they're, they're not involved in any way. Yes, they were not involved. It's all the, the higher, like Lee Fitting was involved. I know you know who he is, so... Hmm. ESPN spent 13 years faking Emmys for people. Fake Emmys? Who does that? They got fake Emmys. <laughs> an Oscar, I could understand, but an Emmy? Hey, guys, I I, I, I want to keep myself humble, so I, I don't brag about my accomplishments, but I, I did win Sportscaster of the Year um, in, in the world uh, recently. So. Oh, the world sportscaster. The world sportscaster of the year. The world, he said. Went went to me. So congratulations on that. That's your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Let's talk a little hoops when we come back. Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoons starting at 3 on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Six o'clock tip last night in Starkville. Tennessee made the opening basket of the game, and then the Bulldogs came to life and had a big lead going into halftime. Tennessee clawed back in the second half, and then at the end it was Mississippi State that was able to get it done, winning at home over number 5 Tennessee, a huge win last night for Mississippi State basketball. We talked a lot yesterday about the role of Tolu Smith and whether when you have a dominant player, you try to kind of route the ball through him. Uh, Tolu Smith's stat line last night, 23 points on 7 of 10 shooting and 9 of 12 from the free throw line. He also had four rebounds and assists, turned it over three times. It was a good night at the gym for Tolu Smith, and hey, that it appeared as if Mississippi State believed they had an advantage there, and there was a concerted effort to get the ball to Tolu, where he was a man among men. 
I mean, if you remember on yesterday's show, I said that you know the key to this game was going to be because you you knew you could rely on Tolu, and you felt like you could rely on Josh Hubbard, so it was going to be on to somebody else to show up in the scoring column, and absolutely nobody did that, but State won anyway. Josh Hubbard, so the freshman in 28 minutes went eight of 15 from the field, hit five of 10 from three, four of six from the line, 25 points last night for Josh Great Hubbard. Man. And so Mississippi State's Tolu Smith and Josh Hubbard combined for 48 of the Bulldogs' 77 points in the game. So State got the winning edge from guys doing other things. DJ Jeffries in particular, not a great scoring night, only four points for him, but six rebounds, five steals. He had a block, had a few assists. He was really good last night. Cam Matthews doing sort of the same thing. Shaq Moore and Deshaun Davis kind of giving you the same thing. I don't think you can rely on getting 50 points a night from Hubbard and Tolu Smith. Somebody is going to have to step up offensively mm-hmm. at some point. But I agree. for State last night, they got out to the big lead. They were able to grind it out. Tennessee, give them a lot of credit, came out with a really good game plan in the second half, put the pressure on Mississippi State, full court pressed them basically the entire half, forced a bunch of turnovers that they turned into points. Um, but State was able to do enough to win this game. Um, Tennessee was fifth in the net. They've dropped to sixth. State moved up to 27th in the net today. Um, and now another opportunity. Alabama is now number five in the net, and that's who you'll play on on Saturday. This game for me was a little bit of a perception changer. I wasn't really sure what Mississippi State was. I thought that they played really poorly last Saturday. You still have that Southern loss kind of lingering in, in, in the background. This was a game that proved that Mississippi State can go out and play with any team in you know in the country. They they beat a top five team. They led thirty five minutes out of forty in this game. Um, they 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 got to find some more offensive consistency throughout the lineup. But with Smith and Hubbard when they're humming, it, it's going to be tough for teams to beat Mississippi State. And defensively, Mississippi State did not do a great job limiting. Probably the two best players and certainly the two best shooters for Tennessee. They did a really good job limiting everybody else. Dalton Connect had 28 points on 10 of 18, including four made threes. Zakai Ziegler had 26 points on 9 of 15 with four made threes. Both of those guys played 37 minutes in the game. Connect also had six rebounds. But Jonas Idu had nine points. And after that, Josiah Jordan-James had three. Santiago Vescovi had two. And then they played, yeah, I mean, Toby Awaka had four. And four other guys, or three other guys played but did not score. He had given me a hundred bucks and said, pronounce Connect's name correctly prior to last night's game. Yeah. I would not have won that money from you. (laughs) Would not have won that money. I would have. Kinnicht? I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Is the game really, really good? Netched, netched. Uh, he was really good, really good, and and hit a lot of key shots. And and you know, state's perimeter defense these first couple of games, although the the, the numbers overall were good for, for for state in terms of perimeter defense last night, they did give up some some three balls there to connect, and and that's a little bit of a worry because now you're about to play again. I, I you know looking ahead, you're going to play an Alabama team that's shooting almost forty percent from behind the arc. Mark Sears is shooting fifty percent. Uh, from behind the arc, so states and and state didn't do do a good job in the perimeter defense against South Carolina either. So they got to shore that up going into SEC play. But 
I didn't realize this. And, and, you know, State's had some wins over top 25 teams, but that was State's first win over a top five team since 2002. Now, like I said, State's had some big wins in there. They've been in the NCAA tournament and, and yeah. you know, won the SEC championship in that time frame. But that, that just gives you an idea of how big a win that was for Mississippi State. They, they needed a, a signature win, and, and I feel like they got it last night. In terms of numbers, the crowd looked good but not great. But in terms of energy, it looked great. Correct. Yeah, and from what I can tell from talking to people, obviously I wasn't at the game, had to do the live show last night. Uh, the people that, that said that it was a late-arriving crowd, Got there a little late, but once they got settled in, it was a pretty good crowd. State announced today that the Alabama game, all individual game uh, tickets are sold out, so they expect mm-hmm. a big crowd Saturday uh, with the Alabama Crimson Tide coming in. And most students should be back on campus, so you get the full student crowd that will be in as well. It, it should be really, really good. That, that'll be a bit of a hornet's nest that Alabama is walking into. Um, Heck how, yeah, how it should cre- be. How creative will Mississippi State students be? With Alabama coming in, I'm talking about signs, chants, and, yeah. and obviously how creative as it pertains to Nick Saban news will state students be on Saturday? Yeah. Or if Brandon Miller other, were still there, news. I'd be interested okay. to see where, where they would go with Maybe that. Maybe just but, as well. That he's uh, probably not, yeah. Uh, there will probably be some, 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 there will probably be a mention of Nick Saban, uh, from the student section at some point, I, I would imagine, yeah. I think so. I, the students getting back is a big part of this as well. Hopefully, you know, they'll all stay in their seats or at least stay within the confined student section area until the clock runs zero. Uh, and then you have to make a decision. Alabama is such an interesting team. They're 10 and 5, and you would think, okay, that's probably not very good. Five losses in non conference. They're all quad one losses. They lost three straight games to teams that were ranked in the top 10 at one point this year. They're um, currently number you know, five in the net. Currently, yeah, because they're they're two. I think they're one in five, quad one. They've played six quad one games out of fifteen already. So that is just that's impressive. But at the same time, they haven't until this game against South Carolina. They weren't able to pull the trigger and get a win in any of those games. So Alabama's an interesting team. Sears is obviously one of the best guards in in, in the conference and maybe the country. Uh, you know, they're going to they average ninety one points a game. I mean, they're, they're really good. But in conference play, they've scored 78 and uh, 74. Had, had some real trouble there with uh, with Vanderbilt uh, on opening night. Last night was a good night for the SEC in terms of net rankings. Alabama's at five. Tennessee only drops one spot. I mean, that was a quality loss for Tennessee at Mississippi State. It's a right. quad one loss. So they go from five to six. Auburn stays at seven. Kentucky has moved up to 17. Mississippi State goes from 34 to 27. Um, Texas A&M, with their road loss a couple of nights ago against Auburn, moved up two spots. South Carolina's up three spots despite their loss. Florida dropped seven from 49 to 56, and Ole Miss moved up 11 from 68 to 57. We talked about that yesterday with Ole Miss in terms of the net. If they win some games, they're going to move up. And they did that. And it wasn't just the Florida win. It was also the win that we referenced earlier in the Big 12 Conference because Ole Miss has a win against UCF this year, and last night UCF knocked off Kansas. 
And so that was good for Ole Miss as well in terms of building its resume. There are good things that are happening. Good, good, good things. Uh, let's see, UCF is eh, currently 76 in the uh, in the net. So, uh, because that's on the road, Ole Miss needs UCF to be in the top 75 in the net for that to qualify as a quad one win. Jump up a spot, yeah. 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 Yeah, and and would give Ole Miss a significant boost in the uh, in the rankings if turned out that happened. So, Borky, did you watch all of it? Did you kind of watch that one from beginning to end, or once you got home? Anyway? Once I got home, yeah, I did. And uh, I mean, the text line's blown up with the story of the night, uh, the banana guy. That's what everybody wants to talk about today. Is uh, is the banana guy? <laughs> but no, state weathering the storm. And uh, I mean, if you don't know what that story is, there with one tenth of a second left on the in the clock. One of the students dressed in a banana costume raced onto the floor all by himself, and he was arrested. But the, the South Carolina game, State kind of blew it, right? There was late miss free throws. There was a turnover. And, and last night, it kind of felt like the same thing was happening. But they made the plays this time. And, it, it, you know, it's kind of an elementary way to, to look at it, but the, the difference in execution when it mattered most in Columbia versus last night all the other issues aside, lack of a third score, whatever, that stood out, though. is when they needed it the absolute most. They actually got it this time, as opposed to Columbia, and, and that's the difference in winning and losing. And it was a win, and it was a really, really big win. Also last night, a big win for Ole Miss at home against the Florida Gators. We'll talk about that when we come back. Oh, yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. What is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com to keep up with all that's happening in and around Oxford. And be sure to follow along on all of their social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at visitoxfordms. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. So, a question. What's more impressive setting a venue record for scored points or setting an all-time school record for blocks in a game? Blocks are cooler. <laughs> blocks. So I know offense sells, but 16 blocks in a game is physical well, well, dominance. Because I don't know. What was the final, what was the final number for the, the points scored? 103 points. Which was a oh, and then how many blocks? Sandy and John Black Pavilion record and the first 100 point game in SEC play for Ole Miss since 2001. How many blocks? Hold on, Jamarian Sharp set a school record for nine blocks in a game in only 17 minutes. All right, and this the team easy. total set a program record with 16 blocks in a game. Nine blocks doesn't happen all the time. I mean, that's a lot of block shots. 103 points. I mean, I know it's a, a, a pavilion record, but I, I mean, if you had said like it was 125 points, 
I might have gone with that. But no, nine blocks, definitely better. The 16 blocks tied the SEC record for most blocks in a conference game, all teams, and it ranks fifth in SEC history in all games for block shots. Yeah, that's cooler. Was it held Was it held by Jarvis Fernando just by himself in one game that I don't remember? Might have had 15, I, I don't know. I, I mean, we can go with that. Yeah. Um, it's pretty cool that Jamarian Sharp had that game when he was taken out of the starting lineup. And then after the game, he was talking to the media where he said he went up to Chris Beard and was like, hey, coach, like you don't have to worry about my mentality taking me out of the starting lineup. Like I'm good. We're fine. I'll play hard when you put me in. No big deal. And then he goes out and breaks a school record. That You know, all this talk about like selfishness and stuff in this era – there's at least one young person who has played and started a lot of college basketball games in his career that plays his best, at least for his current team, after getting taken out of the starting lineup. And having the, I'm good, coach, just tell me what you need me to do, I'm good mentality. It's pretty cool. Stat line for Jamarian Sharp last night, 17 minutes and 25 seconds, 3 of 4 shooting the ball, 2 of 4 from the free throw line, 2 rebounds, uh, 8 points, Nine blocks, his plus-minus in the game was six. Really got it done on the defensive end. So he had the nine blocks. You had two blocks for Brandon Murray, and those were like trail play blocks. Alan Flanagan had three in the game. You had one from Jalen Murray. Um, Did Cissé have... Cissé didn't have a block in the game. They had 16 blocks in a game, and Musa Cissé didn't have one. But look, our friend Mark Wise, said he, he laughs when coaches talk about rebounding and defense being keys to winning basketball games. He said, you got to make shots. Ole Miss was out-rebounded 44-34 last night, including 26 offensive rebounds for Florida. Now, there were a couple of possessions where Florida tipped it around the rim like four or five times and either finished with a make or didn't finish with a make where they got like four offensive rebounds on a single possession. 26 offensive rebounds by the opponent is not a recipe for winning a lot of games. But to the point of making shots, Ole Miss shot 59% for the game. They shot 40% from three and 85% from the free throw line. That is a formula for winning games. Yeah, and and it wasn't like they were uh, above their heads either. I mean, uh, less than a third of their shots were from the three-point line. So they were getting good looks at the basket. Uh, Jamin Brakefield's mid-range game was really good last night. Uh, His was, and I thought Alan Flanagan's was too. He only took one three. Borky, he had like three... 15-foot baseline turnaround fadeaway shots that were just like didn't even think about touching the rim. And that's why, I mean, their point totals in shot numbers and stuff and percentages are all really good, especially compared to what they were a year ago. But it's because the quality of looks that they get. They're not just playing out of their minds. Last night they scored 103 points, but I didn't think, ooh, that's just a couple of guys getting hot. They can't replicate that. I didn't think that. It was offense that that played downhill. 
Uh, I mean, 40% from three is not going to happen every night, but they were good looks. And 40% is not 55 or 60, you know? I mean, it's a, a percentage. Eight of 20. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a percentage that they've done a lot this year. But it's good quality looks uh, during the course of an offense, but they're not dependent on it. They, they are, I mean, they're really good. A really good offensive basketball team, I, I should say, especially when you're getting the production that you got out of Brakefield last night, scoring at all three levels. If he can give you that on a nightly basis, which he has lately, th- this team's going to win a, a, a very good amount of games. 28 points last night for Jamin Brakefield on 11 of 16 with two made threes. 23 points for Matthew Morrell. He was 8 of 12 with three made threes and a perfect 4 of 4 from the free throw line. 17 last night for Alan Flanagan. And 12 for Jalen Murray also had eight assists in the game. Almost had 17 assists on their 39 makes. So you had four guys in double figures. Then you had Brandon Murray with nine points, Jamarian Sharp with eight points, and six more for Musa Cisse. The scoring was pretty balanced in uh, in that game last night. And it was it was a must-have win. I, I will use the exact same phrase that I used to describe Mississippi State's crowd to describe Ole Miss's crowd. Good, but not great in terms of numbers, like actual bodies in the stands. But a really engaged, really big energy crowd last night. Students for Ole Miss don't start class until January 20th or 21st. It's like still another week and a half away. And student section was full. I mean, they got winter session going, so there are people on campus. But it wasn't one of those, they're jammed in like sardines all the way around the lower bowl. There's a good crowd. 8 o'clock tip. We we said yesterday, no excuses on the crowd. Both crowds could have been better last night. Need to be better. But they're still pretty good. Still pretty good in both places. And and Saturday, a real opportunity, right? I mean, Hayden had already mentioned earlier that that State has sold out the reserve seats. Uh, That that team deserves that. They've absolutely earned it. And, uh, you know, for Ole Miss, I expect a really good one. Vanderbilt's a bad team, but, but as we talked about this week, Vanderbilt is a bad basketball team. But if Ole Miss is going to make the NCAA tournament, Saturday is vital. Like, they have to win that game. That is a must-win. They're in the 240s or something in the net. You cannot lose to Vanderbilt. And they're 0-2 in the league, but they're close losses. Like, they're not totally, completely incompetent to where, I mean, you can put your shoes on the wrong feet, go out there and still win by 15. Uh, So they need a crowd, too, because as we talked about yesterday and as we've demonstrated earlier with who lost and all that, and we've got somebody on the text line talking about it, a home crowd in basketball impacts the outcome of the game. So even though it's Vanderbilt and they're kind of stinky and you may want to not go to that game, Vanderbilt can beat you if you let them. So don't let them because if you do, you're probably not making the tournament. It's that simple. It's a must win for Ole Miss on Saturday. You have to beat Vanderbilt on Saturday. Have to. And and so um, upcoming schedules. Mississippi State, Alabama, and then what's right after that? Hey, Dad, you remember? At Kentucky. Okay. Need to try and take advantage of... And then Vanderbilt at home. Yeah, need to try and take advantage of home floor on Saturday. Yeah. Copy and paste what I, I just said two for and two after the first four. Yeah, I think if you're two and two after the first four, I think you're fine. You're fine. But then you play Vanderbilt, and you absolutely cannot lose. That's the problem with Vanderbilt. Everybody is, you absolutely cannot lose to them. Uh, noon, tip, noon tip on Saturday for Vandy and Ole Miss. 
SEC Network game if you want to watch it. Uh, 7.30 tip Saturday night for Alabama and Mississippi State. Should be a lively, lively crowd. Be raucous. I'd say raucous is the right word, isn't it? Yeah. So did Banana Man get arrested and go to jail and then get bailed out of jail? Because he took a selfie video. Was that in front of the jail? Or was that a dorm or something? I know that Brandon Walker tweeted that he would pay the bail and any legal fees that were needed, but maybe he got off without doing so. (laughs) You know what needs to happen? Mississippi State needs Mm. to put him in the middle of the front row of the student section. Lean into it. He'll be there anyway. That's where those guys sit. Right, but they make should sure. also shackle him to the front row of the student section. Yeah, that actually they should would do like be hilarious. Hannibal Lecter, put him up on the on the on the thing where he's he's just he's up there with the face mask. You know, how people put their toddlers on leashes. Get one of those toddler leashes and put it on him and Get put him, him yeah. up on the video board. Yeah, Mike asked if uh, or no, Michelle asked if we uh, if we saw this. So there were a bunch of kids at the Ole Miss basketball game, kind of sitting in the end zone last night. I think it was a, a birthday party. All their shirts all faded out. These are like a bunch of 11-year-olds. Chest painted. Time of their life. A lot of video board time for the 11 year This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. As we were going to break, I was mentioning the kids, hey, Dad, a bunch of 11- and 12-year-olds that uh, they went shirtless, painted up their bodies front row of, like, the lower-level student section on one of the end zones last night. So it was yeah. not a birthday party. Uh, a couple of little buddies, one that goes to church with us, Clark, it was his idea. And then uh, I saw Jude down there. He played on my flag football team. So it was Clark's idea, and his dad told me he wanted to paint up and gather his friends. He told me, quote, it's a dream I've had for a long time. Close quote. So where was Obi in this? Why wasn't he down there with? Uh, Obi was Obi was sitting in the good seats last night. He was he ah, was yeah. working on that unlimited. It sounds like these were the good seats. Yeah, yeah. Well, he um, ah. I think everybody had a good time at the game last night. So, um, sports talk Mississippi with you. You want to have a good time? Get behind the wheel of a Ford F-150 or a Ford Bronco. When I drove by Belk Ford today, so Belk Ford, Highway 6 West in Oxford, BelkFord.net online, they've got two brand-new Broncos sitting out front and center. Porky, I can see you driving a Bronco. Oh, I love those, the those new, new Broncos. Love styles. them. So, so here were your two options. There's a two-door one, which I haven't seen many of those. Most of the ones I've seen are four-door. So there was a two-door Bronco that was white with the black top and you know big tires on it, and then the other one was it was green, and it was kind of like a if you crossed hunter green and emerald green and dropped a little metallic in there, it looked gorgeous. And it was one of the four-door ones. had the big tires on it as well. Those have been hard to find, hard to come by. You want a Ford Bronco? They can get you behind the wheel of one at Belk Ford in Oxford. Great selection of F-150s on the lot as well. A lot of different trim levels. Best financing options that you will find anywhere available at Belk Ford. 
and uh, great people that you will be dealing with. Go by and see them. Tell you've heard about that. Tell the folks at Belk Ford that you heard about them. Where? Where, hey, Dad? Here on Sports Talk Mississippi. On Sports Talk Mississippi, of course. Uh, BelkFord.net. You uh, you won't regret it. Kalen DeBoer, why does he make sense at Alabama? He's a winner. Okay. And winning ain't nothing but, I, I ain't never been nothing but a winner. Isn't that what it says? So, uh, yes, I, 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 that's, I, I, I that is that's what he said. Yeah, I, I, if I were to quote it from the video, it's more like, uh, I mean, that, that's the end of the, the, the fit. There is no fit for him at Alabama. He doesn't, doesn't make any cultural sense there. But he wins football games, and Alabama fans will lap that up. Yeah, at Sioux Falls, which is NAIA, but mm-hmm. still, he was 67 and 3 and 49 and 1 in conference play. And that one loss came in year one. And he went to the championship four consecutive years, winning it three. Mm. Was at Fresno State after that in the COVID year, went three and three, then went nine and three in year two, six and two in the league. And now he's 25 and three and 16 and two at Washington. You add all those numbers up, and you get one hundred four and twelve. I know it's not all at the Division One level, but that is getting it done. Who cares? Winning is winning. I, I, I just don't. If you can win, you can win. I think the offense is fun. Clearly, can recruit at Washington, which is in a region of the country that is not talent rich. I, I was going to ask you: Is there an offense that's more fun to watch than what Washington has run the last couple of years? And prior to that, what he was doing at Florida State. I mean, if you like pitching it all over the yard, Kalen DeBoer, that, that is his brand of football. One other thing. The athletics director who hired Kalen DeBoer is no longer in Seattle. She is now the athletics director at Southern Cal. And the new athletics director at... Washington is the former athletics director at Tulane. It's Jim's last name. Why can I not remember that? Oh, I know it, too. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm going to tell you here in two seconds. Jennifer Cohen. Jen Cohen. Cohen. Widely respected. Cohen's athletic directors all over the place named Cohen. Mm-hmm. C to shining, almost C. Yeah. From the sea to the Gulf. There you go. Uh, so Jim Cohen left Washington. She's the one that hired Kalen DeBoer. She's at Southern Cal now. And you never know about that relationship. So might he feel slightly less loyal with the person? I, I don't know. Just, just thinking out loud. Robert says, but isn't he like 200 years old? Let's go with no on that, Robert. He's 49, which does not sound very old at all. Right, hey, Dad? That's kind of old. Not old at all. Shut up, Borky. Anything that starts with a four, not old. Young enough to take you down, little boy. Mm. Anytime. Hey, thanks for being with us. If you missed any of the show, you can get on demand at supertalk.fm or wherever you get your podcast. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Good night from the Pearl River Resort Studio. 
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.